Friends, welcome to the Rams and Heart Podcast. John Eldridge uh, in the studio this week with Morgan Snyder. And I was just reading uh, a paragraph from the opening chapter of Waking the Dead, um, which is an invitation to clarity. And um, we've got a we've got a fun thing we want to do today. We're we're gonna riff a little bit. Um, we just re-released Waking the Dead with um, some new content um, and a beautiful new design to it. And um, we thought it'd be fun to come in the studio and, and talk a little bit about this message and its place in our lives and, and even a little bit of its, um, its history. Mm-hmm. Morgan, I was thinking this morning, um, we had a small group that met at our house on Choke Cherry which is now your house on Choke Cherry. A little bit of trivia for our audience <laughs> there. Uh, down there on the on the lower level, and there was about there was about eight people, ten people that would meet in a small group every week, and that was where this book was born. We right. were we were trying to figure out how do you live in redemptive community? How how do you offer to one another, the, especially the healing. Um, and breakthrough that the scriptures, like you know, so clearly shout and proclaim that is part of the Christian life, and that's where that's where the four streams were born. Mm-hmm. You remember those days? Mm. Messy and beautiful. <laughs> those are, those are the only two words. I think I think I'm done. That's it. Messy. Yeah. And beautiful. Yeah, it was kind of a disaster, but it was a beautiful disaster. <laughs> Small groups are messy and getting deep into people's lives. But here's what we would do, gang. We would we would get together every week. And this was a very age-diverse group. Mm-hmm. We, we had, you know, uh, singles right out of college, mm-hmm. and we had young marrieds. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had some older folks in there and folks who'd been married um, several decades and and some singles um, that were older as well. And so it was this wonderful blend. Um, and what we would do is each week, someone would tell their personal story. Mm-hmm. Kind of tell me your story. We want to hear your story. And then the group would gather around and we would, we would kind of interact with the story and we'd intervene. Mm-hmm. And we would, we, would, um, we would bring to them what became the message we call the four streams. Yes. And the four streams are healing, counseling, deliverance, and discipleship. And and in the context of that, what we mean is like breaking off some warfare if there's some strongholds or some generational things mm-hmm. there, um, bringing inner healing mm-hmm. um, to uh, wounds and trauma and and childhood um, pain, and and inviting a conversational um, experience with Jesus where He was speaking into it, and and then also just kind of laying out you know for each other what does it look like. Uh, Hebrews says, make a level path for your feet so that the limb which is lame is not put out of joint, but is healed. Like God wants to heal us as human beings. And it was in the context of that small group. I think this is like 15, 20 years ago. Mm. It was in the context of that small group that the book, Waking the Dead, was born. And... um We've had a lot of miles with this book, and we've had a lot of we've had a lot of good stories since then. In fact, um, I'm going to little cheat here towards uh, later in the podcast. We got an email testimony from a pastor um, last week here 
and he wrote to tell us that he had um, he and his wife had been through a very difficult um, marriage of 28 years, um, largely because she was afflicted, suffering under what um, the DSM-5, what counselors would call the borderline personality disorder. And that that is a hard life. Like, that's a very painful life. Um, it's a very difficult thing to live with someone, to be married to someone who's borderline. Um, but what he was writing to tell us is after 28 years, he found the four streams on our website and and prayed as he and his wife prayed through that process. And he wrote to say, she's free. She's whole. She's well. And I mean, can you imagine the relief of, you know, both of them, but just on behalf of someone you love and, and you, you know, obviously in a pastoral marriage, all the additional tension and pressure that their ministry puts on them to find breakthrough. Um, so this little book is, has reached a, a lot of people over the years and brought a lot of, a lot of healing to it. When, when you think about waking the dead, as you have personally revisited it recently, like what stands out? It's amazing, John. As you said, we lived through the creation, the birth of this. And at the time, the categories were just um, epiphanies, revelation, shocking. Right, right and left. And just totally disorienting, but validating what was deep in our hearts. Yeah. Of, of these categories, like your heart matters. Your heart matters. Right? Like that was a revolution at the time. Yep. And, and we live in a world at war. Yes. I mean, just to overtly state that, right. it, it, was, it was orienting because our hearts found those statements to be true. Yes. Like they were true to our reality. They were validating, but they were new because that's not what the common theology mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. Of, of where we found ourselves in Christendom at the time. Yeah. So what's fascinating is to look back now, John, 14, 16 years later, what began as a shocking revelation to consider these fundamental kind of um, categories of, of worldview it's become a roadmap that has shaped our lives personally in our ministry. Yeah. And it was, it was actually so refreshing to reread the entire book in preparation for this time with you and realize this is how we live our life now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is still messy, but the, the, the effects of living in yes. the four streams where God is yeah. actually making us whole yeah. and more holy in, in sustainable mm-hmm. ways. The mm-hmm. fact that mm-hmm. now that we understand our heart matters, that we play a crucial role, it's actually strengthened us over time where we're finding more and more life, Are more we? and more joy, yep. more and more peace, yep. more and more um, intimate friendship. Yeah with a fellowship of the heart, as you yes. named it towards the kind of the final third of yes. the book. So John, I found it to be just so validating. It's, it's true. The gospel's always coming to us, mm. that God's always recovering it. Yes. And, and, and these, it was messy, it's still messy, but it works. Yeah. It works. Yeah, yeah. The, the book has three sections to it. Uh, the first section is, is really devoted to the recovery of the heart. Um, We've placed a lot of um, emphasis on the mind in 
the Western world, in particular post-Enlightenment, and, and really dismissed the heart. But the heart's very, very central in Scripture. Um, so many passages, Jesus knowing what they were thinking in their hearts. Um, you actually do your deepest thinking in your heart. That's where your true convictions are held. And Proverbs 4.23, above all else, watch over your heart, for it is the wellspring of life within you. Uh, when the shepherds visit Mary uh, at the birth of Christ and announce what the angels had told them, it said that Mary treasured these things up in her heart. And so, in, in the first section, we kind of just explore um, the heart and, and why the heart is central and, and why, why it is crucial that— um, well, here's, here's just a paragraph from that first section. What more can be said? What greater case could be made than this? To find God, you must look with all your heart. To remain present to God, you must remain present to your own heart. To hear his voice, you must listen with your heart. To love him, you must love with all your heart. You cannot be the person God meant you to be, and you cannot live the life he meant you to live unless you live from the heart. So kind of section one, mm -hmm. just the recovery of the heart. And, and like you were saying, that was pretty revolutionary. It was. It was. And now, and, and that's where it was so validating to go back. At the time, it was revolutionary to think that that's actually, that was central to God. And now we look and realize it's the very thing that's sustained us in this mission, oh, right? It's to lose heart is to lose everything. And the the converse of that is it's from the heart mm -hmm. that we've been able to walk more deeply in his kingdom yep. and invite others to do so in their yeah. realms. Yeah, and then to watch you and Sherry turn that into a parenting style where you you parent the heart. Like Abigail's heart mm -hmm. is the central yes. point, yes, right? And it's, yes, behavior, right? Yes, you know, you have to do your homework right. and those kind of things, but you guys parent the heart, right? Right. It's about Joshua's mm -hmm. heart as he becomes yep. uh, a, a little boy becoming a young man right. and all that he's going through and, you know, being kind of, uh, you know, a sensitive young man, and, you know, in a tough school mm -hmm. and you parent the heart. Right, so it, just the way it translates into so many things. Yes, friendships, parenting, career, calling, mission, mm -hmm. life with God. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Even this morning, I received a text from a good friend, and he has a daughter in first grade. And over the weekend, one of the children in this same class died of brain cancer. <sighs> and he is texting me saying. Jeez coach me through explaining this to my daughter. Yeah. And, and you see, 14 years ago, that would have been a theology question that in my mind, yeah. I would have said, okay, how yeah. do you explain the theology of death or yes. suffering or heaven? But instead the approach was simply, okay, it starts with her heart is what's at stake. Yeah. And then just praying and, and again, into the four streams, section two, wisdom and revelation, right? There's wisdom. But I just knew in this situation, mm -hmm. I know him, I know his daughter, I know the story and to say, Jesus, what do you want to say? Yeah. And, it, and, and then it became very clear. He said, children understand the kingdom even more than we do hmm. as adults. Hmm. And 
and let her guide you in the depth of what she needs to know in yes. this situation. And so you can let her know yeah. that that this boy has been called into heaven by his father and he's fully healed and restored. And 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 to say to the little girl, mm. how are you mm. doing with it? What are your questions? What what do you think mm. about that? That you don't have to fear. You don't yes. have to lead with these answers. Yeah. You can be curious about her heart yeah. and let her heart guide the conversation. Right, right. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, so the heart's central. Um, big, big message in the first part. And then in the middle section of the book, we talk about, well, how does God restore the heart then? Mm-hmm. Like the heart undergoes a staggering amount in this life that we all live, including the story you just told. I mean, think of the heart, the hearts now of those parents. Jesus, be with those parents. Yes, God. And the family and, and the yes. church yes. And, the, and the community and the school. Yes, like, fill them. Jesus, catch our hearts. Um, and John, in, in that second section, this is where the messy of those early days, where we realized God is interested in caring for the whole person, yes. right? And so you can have counseling. We That story that you told about that pastor, how many stories we've heard of a person that's been through great counseling for years, years, and then they do one session of breaking agreements. And all of a sudden they're set free. <laughs> and their counselors are like, well, what the hell have I been doing, yep. right? And But yep. you can't counsel, like these are some things, the revelations we've come to, right? You can't counsel out a demon and you can't deliver a broken heart. Yeah, right? two they're, different things. They're different things. Yeah. And so as we, as we wrestle with looking, treating the whole person, we realize you have to address the brokenheartedness. And that's distinct from the spiritual warfare set against a person's life yep. that you you see in their story and in the yeah. agreements. But then there's simply the, like we talk about, and we've learned the discipleship of walking with God with a few over time. Mm. It, takes, it takes a theology that cares for the entire person and all of the streams that we see in Jesus's ministry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got the idea of the four streams just by looking at what, how does Jesus heal people? And and if you want a quick, if you want a quick answer to that, you're going to get a little frustrated because one person, he just sits down and talks to him. Mm-hmm. He just says, "Tell me your story." And then the next person, he delivers from profound darkness, mm-hmm. and he doesn't talk to them about their story. And then the next person, right? He he gives them the next steps in their journey. Here's what, you know, the rich young ruler. Well, here's what you need to do now, you know, in order to follow me. He disciples them. He invites them into a discipleship relationship. And it's beautiful, um, but it's a little frustrating if what you're trying to get is a formula. What you see is what we think are four streams, right? Sometimes he heals. Sometimes he counsels. Sometimes there's profound deliverance from darkness, and sometimes there's just an invitation into apprenticeship with God. There's discipleship mm-hmm. that here's what you now need to do to make a level path for your feet so that that which is you know kind of out of joint in mm-hmm. you is, is healed and not further harmed um, would be a good description of what discipleship feels like. Um, so, John, can I ask you a personal yeah, question? Yeah. So, a lot of this was birthed out of kind of trying it on, trying it out. And now we're revisiting it. 
16, 14, 16 years later, like, how about for you? When you think of your own story and the four streams, as God is related to you over more than a decade, what stands out? What mm-hmm. what What's either mm-hmm. more currently or more pervasively over the years when you think of God bringing his ministry to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's only gone deeper. Like the categories are the same, mm-hmm. but everybody has a journey. Um, and and you do you, your journey your journey has rhythms and seasons and ebb and flow with God. And he'll take you into one thing for a while and then he'll take you into another thing. Yeah. You know. Um, we've been talking a lot and doing some podcasts just on soul care. Um, I don't know that I would have put soul care in the category of discipleship in the past. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I came out of um, a beautiful Bible teaching church and and conservative evangelicalism, and, it, and so it's it's Bible study that's discipleship. It's it's working through Hebrews, it's working through Philippians, mm-hmm. it's memorizing Scripture, and those are good things to do, by the way. It, but um, like just the category of soul care. Mm-hmm and how rich we've seen that is part of discipleship. That is how you um, heal the limb, which is out of, you know, which, which is out of joint. I don't know that I'd have put that in the category of discipleship when I wrote the book. It's yeah. not in there, yeah. you know. Um, but boy, it's sure become one now. So I would just say each of these categories has become richer mm. and deeper. That's a great example because it ties in section one with section two. You, you make this big statement that your heart matters but if you go to trying to make your heart central in your life, you very quickly bump into, well, my heart is broken. Yeah. My heart is bound, yeah. right? And if you don't invite yeah. the ministry of Jesus, you can't live more into the reality of your heart being central. Yeah, and it really is, this is such a good conversation because I think if someone were to ask me, describe the Christian life to me now, mm-hmm. I would say um, it is a perilous journey into more and more restoration Mm. through which God is able to use you more powerfully in the world. And, and, and so- John, can you say that just one more time? That is so important. Yeah, it's a perilous journey because there's so many landmines and booby traps and Mm -hmm. cul-de-sacs and, you know, John 10, false prophets and wolves and, you know, it's a perilous journey toward more and more wholeness, toward greater integration of your being um, so that God can use you more and more powerfully in the world. Mm. And, and this is all proven true. Like you said, you know, these were big ideas for us 16 years ago, but now it's just the norm. Yes. Like, this is just how we live. Yes. And it's been incorporated into our being um, you know, one of the streams is just conversational intimacy mm-hmm. with God. And you think of how much that shapes your daily life now. Right. And, and Stace and I were um, chatting with a really good couple yesterday about their life, their ministry. They're, they're about um, 20 years behind us in the curve. So they're just kind of getting going. And, um, and we just asked a few questions about, well, what did Jesus say to you about that? You know, conversational mm-hmm. intimacy type questions. And you just you kind of get that guilty look and like, well, we didn't ask him. And it wasn't meant to shame. Right. It's not a shaming thing. It's meant to invite. Right. It's like, well, you know what? At this point in your journey, you probably want to add that to your quiver. Exactly. You know, you 
probably want to incorporate that now. Yep. You're going to find that very helpful. Right. Another example, yesterday, one of our meetings, we were really strategic ministry leader over a large organization, and he was describing the other kind of um, leaders in his life that are encouraging his ministry. And these are big names and big people, and every one of them was helping him build the organization. Yes. And he was sitting there with, with, with just kind of glassy eyes with uh, some tears, and he said, um, I realize you all are doing something different for me. You're caring for the young boy inside. Yes. And the beauty of it, it was so kind of um, off kilter with it <clears throat> because yeah. there wasn't anyone else in his life tending to that. But the irony, the holy paradox is that his ministry is to fatherless boys. <laughs> and he, it was born of a passion because he was unfathered yeah. and abandoned as a child. Yeah. And so his passion is leading him to rescue all these boys. But Jesus is wanting to bring a fresh round. He's had some healing, yep. some deliverance, <clears throat> but another round of yep. deepening the wholeheartedness yep. so that he can love those young boys and build a ministry out of wholeness in a full heart rather than a reaching yeah. to fill his own ache, yeah, right? Exactly, right. Because he's being entrusted with more. Yep. It's growing. Yes, right. But he needs more wholeheartedness, oh, man. more freedom, right? To be able to handle that mantle. It, bingo. If he doesn't get more wholeness, you see what's coming down the road, yep. right? The enemy will find that. Yep. And present some something's going to take you out. Yep, you know, <clears throat> not necessarily quote temptation, but just your own brokenness, yes, and unhealed pain, yes, know, can can really wreck uh, some good things that God's doing in your life. Mm -hmm. So the middle section of the book is the what we call the four streams, and we sort of go in there and unpack that, and then the third section is where it gets. Um, wonderful and messy, <clears throat> because then we describe how do you, how do you live this out mm -hmm. in a in a redemptive community, um, and again this was all just born out of experience because we wanted we wanted a, a small group that that really did something you know it wasn't just it wasn't just chit chat and, and it wasn't just going through a book together but people were actually being transformed by it. They were, they were encountering God. They were falling more deeply in love with God. That things that they had long been plagued with were actually being addressed, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. actually being restored. And <laughs> it's messy. Oh. It's messy. And I think if you're willing, if you're willing to let your community be a little messy, yes. you can get somewhere. Yes. Right? Like, well, and it's messy, but I also want to say right with that, over the fruit of over a decade, it works. It works. It works. It works. It works. It doesn't get less messy, but the thread is the redemptive life. Mm -hmm. Because I look at that was kind of our 1.0 attempt of a communal version of this. And now as I read it, John, and looked back over just even more recent years, the quality of my relationships in intimate circles has only deepened in yes. depth, breadth, and maturity and fruit in my own life, in the lives of others. And I look at some of these relationships and realize we, we get to go to depths in each other's lives because of the risk of staying small, the risk of choosing intimacy and vulnerability and yeah. visibility on our stories, yeah. access yep. to the places in our lives that need the love of God through another person. Yep. So I don't want the messy to intimidate people because 
there's so much fruit. So and, much. And, I, and I'm thinking as I, as I read this book again, realizing there are people in my life now that were in my life back then. And so there's continuity. Mm-hmm. And I look at their lives and realize there, there is consistently more joy, more hope, mm. more mm. Um, desire. They, yeah. they haven't quit. And yeah. so it's bearing fruit. Yeah, that's good. We're often asked at Ransomed Heart, like, what do you do for church? And and everyone, you know, we all go to different churches, uh, which is a healthy thing for a small ministry. It, you know, kind of cross-pollinates. Um, and, but we do say, whatever it is you do on Sunday mornings, you you must have genuine camaraderie. Mm-hmm. You you must have an, an actual fellowship. Um, and, and we describe it, and one of the things we say towards the latter chapters is it, it must be small, right? Like, you know, how, how can we offer the stream of counseling to one another unless we actually know one another, know one another's stories? And, and the question I ask in this chapter is, would you feel comfortable turning to the person in the pew next to you and as you pass the offering plate, asking them to bind a demon that is sitting on your head? <laughs> where, where will you find the four streams? Yeah. Where, where will you experience this? It's got, it has to take place in small, intimate fellowships. Um, and, and it must be intimate. Um, and, and it will be messy. And it's something that you have to fight for. But those who do are discovering a Christian experience that they're like, where has this been all my life? Yeah. John, by way of example, because there's just there's nothing like the practical <clears throat> to drive this home to make it accessible. Because I'm sure as a listener, it's easy to go, oh yeah, I want that, I want that. But how in the world do I find that? I, I want to I want to highlight one example. When you wrote this, your boys were young. And you have some great stories in there. And now you have three mature sons that are grown and all married. And so you have these daughter-in-laws as this category. So just as as an example, um, how have you chosen, you and Stacy, to relate with these daughters-in-law in light of the message of waking the dead? Well, here's the, here's the beautiful thing. Um, is they ask, and and it is it is a fairly common occurrence um, in the in our household. So now you know we're empty nesters. So house means Stace and me and the dogs, Obed and Maisie. Um, it's it's a fairly common occurrence for us to get a text sometime after dinner, and it says, "Hey, it's one of our sons. Can you know me and my wife?" can we drop by? Can we see you guys? We'd love to just stop by this evening. And the answer is always yes. You know, you're exhausted. Like the answer is always yes. Are you kidding me? Of course, come by. And quite often it's, would you pray for us? Or can we talk to you about something? Like it it is the experience of the four streams Mm -hmm. with our adult children. Mm -hmm. And now with our beautiful, wonderful daughters-in-law and, and, and to be able to offer this, mm-hmm. right? And to say, you know, what you're struggling with, you know, some of those night fears, that's actually not you. That's a little girl mm-hmm. inside. Let's pray for her. Let's get Jesus there. And and how beautiful to just, they've seen the fruit of yes. it. You know, they grew up in it. They watched the fruit of it. And now 
they're craving it for their own experience yes. and, and for their wives. Yes. And I love, John, that all three of the women that God's brought into your family, they come from very different stories, very different backgrounds. And right. I have observed that you didn't lead with, oh, let me offer this ministry to you. I can set you free. I can uh -huh. heal you. I can deliver uh -huh. you. You, I, you led with a posture of curiosity yep. and sincerity yep. to know them, right. to know their family of origin, to know their stories. I mean, just even watching you operate around the weddings, your, your antennas were up because you get visibility on Uncle Eddie. Yeah. Like that's telling you <clears throat> something, yeah, a right? A lot of data. Love it. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And it's been very beautiful. Um, how about for you? How about for you? Years later, four streams, like, do you use this in your ministry now? Oh my goodness, John. The word, it was interesting. The word you used earlier in our conversation was integration. You said that all four streams, you're aware that they deepen, but also it's integration. And what I find is as this matures in us, as God grows us in us, there is just this beautiful flow of it it all goes into one and what you are receiving is more and more of the life of God, mm. transforming you from mm. the inside out yep. so you can become the kind of person that can navigate the external world. I'll give a real practical mm. example. So Joshua and I were out this past weekend on his first big game hunt. I've been waiting 12 years anticipating this. And we're out camping and we're in sleeping bags on day two. And I get a migraine headache. And I've struggled with migraines for over 18 years now. And it's been a messy, odd piece of my story. Part of there's warfare component, there's brokenness, there's a fallen world component. God's used it greatly. But here I am out in the back country with a migraine and I have no medication. And what I've learned is I, I take Imitrex as needed and it works. And I panic hits me because I always have it. I have it in my backpack, in my truck. And, and, and as many listeners probably know about me, I struggle from uber responsibility, right? I, I am very responsible. I have a four-page gear checklist. I, I have bins on bins of emergency gear, first aid, and I am fury. Part of me is furious at myself for not having sure, it, right? right. You fool, you're going to sink the hunt and you guys are alone in the wilderness. Uh, it would have taken me out a decade ago. And instead I'm feeling this deep pain and physical pain in my head. And I'm aware the part of me that's furious at myself because mm. I'm irresponsible. I mm. go, oh, I know that old, that, that young place yeah. in me. He, he finds love through being responsible. Right. And so I started with <clears throat> Jesus. I just break the agreement. I break hmm. the agreement, hmm. right? The, the, the deliverance piece, right? Yep. I break the agreement that love equals responsibility. Yep. And so, nope, I reject that. And you're laying in your sleeping I'm bag. I'm laying in my sleeping bag, middle of the night. And I say, <laughs> Jesus, like, this is where you have to do something supernatural. Like I, I am out of resources. Yeah. I know where this will go. And I'll be taken out for a couple of days and I'm alone with my son. And so I said, Jesus, I, I need a supernatural healing. Yeah. I need you to touch this place in me. Yeah. And more than the physical pain, I I would love for this to be a chance for you to touch this place of over responsibility. Mm -hmm. I just need a dad. Mm -hmm. And John, in the next hour and a half, he completely healed my body. Mm. And 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 I've only been healed 
from a migraine without medication like once or twice in 18 years. Yeah. And, and so it was just an example of the ministry. And then I had these vivid dreams where God was ministering to me and Sherry and Abigail were on a trip. And he gave me these dreams that related to what he was doing in her story. Mm. And so it was this flow of mm. intimacy with God, wisdom, yeah. revelation, yeah. healing, deliverance, and walking with God. And then in all of it, I got to tell my son the next morning, Joshua, and we're in a hunting blind and having chicken broth. And I said, can I tell you a story of what God did for me last night? Yeah. And he was lit up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. And so it deepens and he integrates the whole person. Yeah. Hey, gang, um, I sure hope this is intriguing you enough to pick this up again. We're talking about Waking the Dead, which is a book that um, I released, golly, back in like 2002, 2003. Um, and we've re-released it. I wrote some new content for each chapter. Um, there's a section at the end of each chapter that I've entitled Selah, and it's that uh, Hebrew term you see in the Psalms where it just says pause or rest. And, and I give a little bit more thought there. Hey, before you rush on from this chapter, here's a couple of things to think about. Um, and I do that I do that through the book um, and, and kind of give some direction for praying through some things. Um, so there's a, a new edition out of Waking the Dead and um, available wherever you get your books and um, available here at Ransomed Heart as well. Uh, just wanted to get this, wanted to get it in front of you again because, um, man, there's gold here. And the tendency is, oh yeah, I saw that years ago. Um, you might want to pick it up again or, uh, or you're new uh, to the Ransomed Heart world and, and orbit and you haven't had a chance to read this older title, man, it'll set you free. <laughs> like, it's good stuff. John, near the close of the book, uh, there's some really intimate words um, that you share where you even talk about some tears filling your eyes and just your heart for the reader. Um, I'd love to just take a risk and ask you if you might be willing to read those words so that we can all benefit from yeah, them what, this morning. What are you talking about? Where are we? So you can look at that, just that last part. This last piece flipping, here. It, flipping the page. And I just didn't know if there's anything you wanted to cherry pick okay. in that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the end of the book um, says, take heart. We are now going to war. This is the beginning of the end. The hour is late and you are needed. We need your heart. If there was something more I could do to help you see, I wish to God I could have done it. Tears fill my eyes for fear I have not done enough. You must turn then back to myth tomorrow and the next day and the next. Read the Battle of Helm's Deep in the Two Towers. Watch any of the trilogy of those films. Watch the opening of Gladiator. Watch the Idrang Valley and we were soldiers or the Prince of Egypt where God goes to war against Egypt to set his people free. By the way, I just watched that the other night and it was absolutely incredibly moving again. Mm. Like God totally spoke to me again through that Exodus scene. Read Lewis's last installment in the Chronicles of Narnia entitled The Last Battle. I don't think even he knew all that he was saying there. These stories and images are among the stories that God is giving his people for this hour. They are gifts to us from his hand, clarity and strength for our hearts. Apparently, we need them. They will do you a great good, and then you will do a great good. 
And, uh, and I just end with yes, until the day dawns, my friends, and the morning star rises in all our hearts. You've been listening to the Ransom Heart Podcast with Morgan Snyder, John Eldridge here, um, talking about the re-release of Waking the Dead. I uh, hope we've intrigued you to go back to an old friend and, and pick it up again or to discover some new treasure. There's a new version out now. Love the new cover. Love the new content to it as well. Hope you find it helpful and we'll see you next time.